Okay, guys, welcome to the show. It's good to be with you this week. Um, I have another great guest this week. Uh, this week, I'm getting a chance to catch up with the Western Hunter himself, Mr. Chris Denham. Um, so if you're familiar with the Western Hunter TV show or the magazine, uh, you probably know who Chris is. He uh, was one of the founding members there. Uh, he's also heavily involved in wilderness athlete uh, as well as outdoorsmen's. Um, and he's just been in the industry a really long time, very knowledgeable guy, uh, great hunter. And, uh, we got a chance to meet actually at the Western hunt expo. And that's when I kind of roped him into being a guest on the podcast and he was gracious enough to say yes. So, um, today we talk all about, um, you know, getting started in the industry and, um, starting a TV show and, um, all kinds of good stuff, and we we end it with a, a talk about you know physical fitness and spiritual fitness and all that stuff because he also has a really cool fitness journey story in there. So um, I think you guys will really enjoy this episode. Um, please remember to leave me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, and please share this podcast with your friends and family. It helps me get the word out. And um, um, also, if you haven't seen it yet, definitely go over to my YouTube channel, or you can go to Brian Call's Gritty YouTube channel and check out my first hunt film from Kodiak, um, which was an awesome, awesome hunt. Um, we filled three tags, and actually one of the bucks that the buck that my buddy Ned killed, uh, I found out was the 11th largest Sitka blacktail ever recorded being killed on Kodiak. And um, also that film will be available soon on Carbon TV. So um, if you're into YouTube or Carbon, definitely check out the film. Um, check out the um, description field for all kinds of um, discount codes. Sorry, I was blank on the word. You got discount codes of Black Rifle Coffee, Heather's Choice, um, and a bunch of other good companies, Two Vets Tripods, um, so use those, especially now's a good time to stock up on some of that Heather's Choice food before it starts getting scarce. And I know they just relaunched their whole line with some really good stuff. So go check out Heather's Choice. Use my code and uh, save yourself some money. Get some delicious, healthy backcountry meals, and you will directly help the show out by doing so. Without further ado, though, let's just jump right in here to my conversation with Chris Denham. Enjoy. All right, so I'm here today with my guest, Chris Denham. How you doing, man? Good, good. Just good. Getting, you know, it's it's springtime, so I mean, I literally just finished my New Mexico applications, which are due today. Today, wait to the yeah. last minute on that one, huh? <laughs> we pretty much do everything at the last minute because everything is everything's so there's so many variables. Yeah. Um, that it always seems like, well, you're just waiting to see. You know, like I was just waiting to see <clears throat> what the Arizona draws look like, you know, and yeah. and then you put stuff off and then it, I hate doing it on the last day, believe me, because computer yeah. systems crash and mm -hmm. and I get stressed. And um, <laughs> I remember and actually I, an episode of your show where you were sitting there in the Idaho waiting line, like trying right. to like your phone wasn't working. I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that's still one of the funniest days. And one of the we laughed so hard that day, just. Cause we just sat there in that one spot for five hours. Yeah. Just waiting to get in. Oh yeah. Get in the queue. Oh yeah. I was in there this year. I think I was number 13,000. I actually yeah. was able to get like, I think my second choice unit deer tag. So, and my other group member, we got in the same unit. So we got lucky, but yeah, for sure. Super lucky. Yeah, man. So, um, so yeah, man, it's it's really good to catch up with you. I got a chance to meet you and talk for a little bit um, at the expo and mm -hmm. um, talk to Nate a little bit too. Super nice guy, and uh, so yeah, I appreciate you coming on. I'm a I'm a, a big fan of the Western Hunter, and I know probably a lot of guys that listen are, and uh, so it's it's good to it's good to get, be able to chat with you. Absolutely. Um. So you know, I did want to ask you before we jump in, actually. Mm -hmm. Um. Did you have, I want to hear like, was there one of your most memorable kind of hunts from last year, um, that you wanted to, that you could talk about real quick or, um, and, or, um, like a one you're really looking forward to coming up this year. 
Well, last year, so you're talking about the season hasn't aired yet, like the stuff that we just hunted or this or the season that just, just Can, finished airing. So season 10, I guess, is what you're working on editing right now, correct? Right, right. Okay, so if you can give us a little like sneak preview without a spoiler alert of you know one of your most memorable hunts. Wow. Well, if I, you had can. A, I had an Idaho moose tag, so that Ooh, was – okay. Yeah, that's that's got to be the you know the, that's the highlight for sure. You know, it was uh, nice. Nate and I had hunted that unit. Um, it's the same area where the where, where I killed that buck. We called it um, uh, Needle in a Haystack, mm -hmm. um, and we hunted there two years in a row for deer. The second year was horrible. Um, first year was horrible until it wasn't. You know, all yeah. of a sudden, boom! A buck came out of nowhere and. We called it a needle in a haystack and in hindsight, Nate and I joked, we should have called it a needle in about 14, 15 haystack. <laughs> yeah. We didn't, we didn't realize until now how lucky we really were. I mean, how few quality bucks are, how many, like, few deer there is in that area. But mm -hmm. the good news is after two years of hunting there, we'd seen moose almost every day. I mean, bull moose pretty much every day and bulls. We looked at and go, wow, I'd shoot that bull, you know I mean? Yeah. So just on a whim, um, because it had the over-the-counter deer tag it was like well let's try moose so first time i ever put in for moose and we drew it and i, oh, you know, wow. I drew the tag so i was super super lucky that's crazy that was, a, that was my next question how many years did you apply in a row but just got lucky on one, the first one that was it you know that's, that's crazy the beauty of idaho no bonus points and yeah you know, the unbeauty unbeautiful the ugly part is, is the reason why the odds are not terrible is because it's so dadgum expensive no yeah. uh, it's expensive to apply and it's expensive to not draw, <laughs> you know, oh, really? after, well, the hunting license and the, they ding you for credit card fees. I mean, by your time, that's a $250 lottery ticket, yeah. you know, which is, I'm not a gambler. I mean, that's a, it's one thing that comes to the draws. I'm, you know, I go to Vegas with, and have four quarters in my pocket and they're not going into a quarter slot machine. I just, <laughs> I'm just not, it's just, it's not like I'm, you know, some type of, uh what would it be but you know like i have something against gambling it's right. just not within my nature to gamble yeah and, and you know to gamble with a quarter let alone continue to gamble with 250 dollars and you know on an annual basis over a thousand but anyways yeah. we, we went for it and drew it that's uh, awesome and then of course uh it's not going to kill the end of the end of the story but it took a long time that area mm. that we've seen bull moose in every single day they just freaking disappeared. Of course, when you have a tag in your pocket. Yeah, it was, it was, we literally were scratching our heads, you know, well into the hunt going, wow, this is tough. Cause we, we had planned it. We didn't hunt during the rut because every time we were there, it was during the rifle deer season in October. Mm -hmm. And we were seeing plenty of bulls. So we're like, wow, we don't have, we're not going to have a problem finding bulls because hunting in the rut in September for us is really difficult because we're between Nate and I, we're hunting archery elk somewhere, you know, yeah. and we don't have enough time, personal time or cameraman resources to just, you know, run all over the place. Right. So we had planned it for October on purpose, knowing we'd be the last people in the woods. And, and we were the last people in the woods for mm -hmm. sure. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was, it's, it was a great hunt. Um, it's going to be a really, I think it's going to be a really cool story when it's all said and done. And yeah. Finished. Yeah. I can't wait to see that, man. Um, you have a, a hunt coming up. You got that, you know, about already that you're excited about coming up for this year. Um, I, I do. Um, I'm trying to think of which one I would say I'm the most excited about. I do have a rifle elk tag that I drew in Arizona. Oh, cool. Um, and that's probably, that's, that's going to be, it's the hunt that I will probably spend the most time really focused on. Okay. Um, it's uh, we're, you know, scouting more, uh, really dedicating more time to it. Um, it's certainly uh, not to keep, not jump the topics on you, but it's something no, that good. Nate and I really felt like we learned last year. Last year was a tough year. And for, if, in regards to success, um, it was tough. Even if, I mean, it was, it was just tough. And mm -hmm. We felt like, you know, it was season 10 and we've usually had pretty darn good luck just showing up in a unit. You know, we do our research and everything, but we show up sometime, you know, on those three weeks hunts, maybe it's halfway into the hunt and just grind it out, hunt hard, use your you know, data that you've got from, you know, from Google Earth and all those and, and have success. 
well, we found out last year that we were probably a lot luckier than we thought we were. We thought we were pretty <laughs> doggone skilled. It turns out we were probably a lot luckier than we thought we, you know, it, yeah. it better lucky than good, but it, it caught up to us. Cause all of a sudden, man, the cards did not follow our way last year. Wow. And we really did hit it hard, hit us hard that we need to be able to spend more time on fewer hunts and scout more mm. and do it. Like, you know, we used to do it before we were, you know, trying to film back to back to back to back to back. Right. And uh, cause that's what happens when you get those, you know, when the success starts to decline, all of a sudden you're not there five days, you're there eight days. And then it just bleeds into the next hunt. Now there's literally, you know, you barely got time to do laundry, let alone scout. And, yeah. Um, so yeah, we're definitely going to, all of our hunts this year, we're going to plan a little more strategically allowing time on the front end to scout if that's what's best for that hunt i mean some hunts we don't necessarily need to mm -hmm. whether or not scouting really wouldn't make a difference but in those hunts where it would we're going to so yeah. well it kind of um i was going to save this question for a little later but sort of just kind of flows um i'm really curious to hear kind of like what is what does a year look like for you because you know um you know a lot of guys that are listening you know most guys that work like a normal job, they can kind of swing maybe one big out of state hunt a year, maybe two, uh, if they're lucky and, um, maybe it's not even every year. Um, but you know, for you guys, it's a totally different game. You know, this is what you do and, um, and, and, you know, adding the production side of things too. And, and, you know, just for myself, like I'm, I'm going into, this will be my first, I did four trips this last season, which was pretty, pretty hefty, but um, this year, uh, you know, I'm probably going to be doing like 50, 60 days on the road again, filming yeah. and hunting. Yeah. And so I'm just, I'm really curious to see or to hear like, you know, what, what y'all's year kind of looks like, what's that rhythm of a year sort of like for you guys? Mm -hmm. Yeah. For us, it really is a year round thing. So it's like, oh, yeah. try to decide where, okay, where do we start? I say we start with the beginning of the, of the production, which is essentially the beginning of hunting season. Uh, Really, it kind of, that even kind of starts almost July 1st, somewhere mm -hmm. in that middle of, of July timeframe where day night we've got, we know what tags we have, we know what, what hunts we're going to do, <clears throat> and it's drilling down on equipment lists, uh, you know, getting, you know, for uh, bows ready, getting rifles ready, because once hunting season starts, especially for, for me, uh, cause I'm, you know, I'm a bow, I bow hunt and I rifle hunt. Nate's a mm -hmm. strictly a bow hunter, but in once the hunting season starts, I don't have time to be really messing around with rifles. Right. I mean, I, it's gotta be dialed. I need it dialed in before archery season even starts. And then I shoot constantly during the season, but I don't have time to, to, for things to go wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. So I got to make sure in July, you know, July into August that, that everything's from weapon systems are ready to go, uh, packs you know, uh, all of our, our needs for a year, like just planning how many pairs of socks do you need, you know, yeah. make sure you have that number right. of socks in August so that you're not trying to scramble and, you yeah. know, and socks, especially and, now, like with gear and equipment and especially like electronics mm -hmm. and stuff, you can't get a hold of stuff. Ammo. I mean, it's nuts. Yep. Yeah. Ammo. I mean, I'm literally playing for everybody to think all I have to do is make a phone call and I have boxes of ammo delivered. That is not the case. I mean, right you now, I've got four, three boxes of 6.8 over there and that's it. And yeah, I'm the same way. I think I have like 47 rounds like for all season and, you know, practicing. And yeah. <laughs> Cause like, you know, my, I haven't started reloading yet, but my friend Ned and me developed a load together and he's been loading them for me, but it's just so hard to find components. It's like, right. so I'll go to run a range and you know, a seven round range is like pretty nice for me. It's like a luxury. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Seven rounds. You're down to, you're counting yeah. the rounds, not the boxes. Yeah. Yeah. So we're really getting, you know, dialing in July and August. And then, uh, and then Nate starts, you know, depending on, on draws, uh, you know, if he's in Nevada, it starts really early August 10th. Uh, and Nate, that's really when Nate's season gets started. Mine's still dragging into, I don't usually get started hot and heavy until September, unless I draw an August archery deer tag and hope still, still hoping I might draw a, a Utah deer tag this year nice. um, after 15 years of waiting. But <laughs> um, so, and then from there on, especially for Nate, Nate's schedule is, is really intense because he does a he, lot of hunts. He has a lot of hunts and he has, you know, the way the archery seasons are big, long seasons. So he's got 
you know, Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, um, and they're basically all going on at the same time. So it's like, okay, what do you do first? <laughs> you go, he tries to get after mule deer first because he's, he knows the success on elk later is going to be better than it could be on deer later. Mm. Um, and sometimes that gets screwed up. I don't know that episode you saw last year. Dang it. I forgot what he called it, uh, but he was deer hunting and a bull, you know, oh, snuck yeah. I think he um, called it carpe diem. Carpe diem. That was it. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and then he shot that bull and it really, he's almost, uh, even though it was an awesome bull, even Nate's even said, I'm not sure he'd do that. He says, I'm not sure I'll do that again. Cause it just, yeah. everything he had planned got screwed up now, you know, <laughs> cause now he's got to get mules from one part of Wyoming to the other part of Wyoming and, you know, three days off the calendar Yeah, you know, and try to go back and hunt deer after people have been in there chasing deer for five or six days. So anyways, Nate's like, he's, his is intense. Like he's going from hunt to hunt, to hunt, to hunt all the way till, you know, middle of October, mm-hmm. uh, nonstop. I usually get started in September with an archery elk hunt. Like I'll be back in New Mexico this year. Oh, um, cool. And, uh, uh, and then in October, uh, October is kind of slow in the middle part. And then it gets pretty crazy for me from the middle of October, all the way to the middle of December, you mm-hmm. know, with, with rifle hunts, Tonight, you know, living in Arizona, it's pretty cool because, you know, we have December coos deer hunts and, yeah. you know, most parts of the country by middle of November, they're kind of, things are coming to a close. In Arizona, it's really just getting good. Yeah. Um, you know, because then we go right into, to, you know, archery deer season, archery javelina season in January. Mm-hmm. Um, but really by then we're, we're Next year, we'll, we'll, we'll probably film an archery coos deer hunt with Nate and I. We've after hunting with Al Cameron. man. It is. It I is. Went, I went on my first one this year and I was like, wow, if you can get it done on a coos deer with a bow, like you're next level. <laughs> it is. And it's, it take us, we've been doing it for like five, six years. We just do it without cameras. And yeah. um, um, I shot a buck last year. Nice. And uh, yeah. And then Nate shot one this year. Cool. And and then we finally figured out, okay, we have so much fun doing it <clears throat> that that's what's important. That's mm-hmm. what's important to the camera too. That's important to the viewer. You know, they're going to, sure. we may not even shoot a freaking arrow next year. I don't know. You know, we may not, yeah. but we know we could, it'll be entertaining. Um, it'll be tough and viewers will enjoy it. So we'll probably do it. But usually by January, we're into show season, mm-hmm. um, you know, trade show season, because we do, we go to the ATA show and the SHOT show and the uh, Wild Sheep Foundation, um, the Western Hunter Conservation Expo, the SCI show, all of those shows, wow. especially for me. Nate, I, is he skips out on most of those, but for me, I'm more of the business side of the, of the that's my job as yeah. the executive producer. Um, what that means is I worry about sponsorship and money yeah. <laughs> and Nate's they handles all the post-production <clears throat> cool so he and randy so they're they're they start they're already editing episodes right in january right off the bat mm-hmm. uh, we probably have whew, like three four four or five episodes right now that are in the phase of like final voiceovers and stuff like that cool so we so springtime is really cranking on getting episodes done yeah and then hopefully by you know, before hunting season starts somewhere like in the middle of August is when we have all 13 episodes done. Cause we, our season, we start airing July 1st or the first week in July, we're on third and fourth quarter. So we're starting to upload episodes in May. Um, and that goes on until right about hunting season. And yeah. then it starts all over again. Wow. So you guys, I guess you don't, you don't do, I don't think if you guys haven't done a bear, a spring bear, have you? Or do you we did really? like year three okay yeah year two or three we had nate's dad on a spring bear hunt okay um, and it, I, doesn't, and it doesn't fit well into the production schedule and it's it's just tough for us because that's when we're it's tough to take the break shut down mm-hmm. production post-production work and go hunting again yeah you don't know if you're going to have a show when you're done and by the time we get to april and may we need to know what our 13 episodes are we're not yeah. we can't be planning on a successful bear hunt that's going to make a nice episode yeah so it doesn't make a lot of sense for us unless we really look at it and go you know we got time 
we could shoot, we could go hunt if we, if we want to, you know, this mm-hmm. is like one of those deals where it's like something we really want to go do. Uh, we could go film it, see how it turns out. Maybe it's something we don't use this year. Maybe we, you know, it's, we got a head start on the next on the following year type of thing. Yeah. Okay. So how many, how many days do you think out of the year you're typically on the road? Who with hunting alone, hunting alone is probably, uh, not as much as even, even I, even, I don't think, I don't think it's as much as I think, I think it is sometimes, um, yeah. but somewhere in like the 60 day range, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with hunting and then trade shows, you know, that adds another 15, you know, 15, 18 days on top. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other travel, um, you know, just other business travels, probably another 10 or 15 days. And yeah. so it's quite a few days. Um, yeah. Then my wife and I do a lot of, uh, backpacking in the spring. Like cool. we're actually leaving tomorrow. Um, oh, nice. We're, we're hiking the Arizona trail, which goes from Mexico to Utah. Oh, cool. And we're hiking it in sections. So we do three or four of those trips each spring, you nice. know, two, three, four day kind of trips. Yeah. So yeah there, there's, we we're, we're moving quite a bit. Plus <laughs> on top of that, we got Western hunter magazine that we produced six issues a year of. So yeah, you're a busy guy, man. And and so I know you're into a lot of stuff. So I kind of want to go back a little bit. Um, you know, I think you've shared your um your journey on a couple other podcasts. So mm-hmm. um maybe and just because me, I'm personally just more interested in the in the TV and production side of things, but um just for people who may not know, because I feel like a lot of people may not know all the stuff you are involved in, just give mm-hmm. us a, a quick um quick and dirty like of kind of your story and all the stuff you're kind of involved in but kind of focusing a little more on the starting the show kind of stuff in, in the magazine you bet yeah yeah all, i got started in this business by uh and i've, I've i know i've said it on the podcast but i still think it's interesting to people mm-hmm. say how did how did you get to where you are and i said there really was no plan this was <laughs> not this well thought out life plan this right. was every move i made to where i am now was out of pure necessity mm-hmm. you know it wasn't i needed the next job kind of thing and then all of a sudden after you know working in, in retail with a college degree for five dollars an hour <laughs> and working in the wholesale divisions of of uh, sporting goods and i was a sales rep for a number of years and then i was a, a professional guide for a couple of years and then we started western hunter magazine 20 years ago mm. as is not with no intentions of it becoming what it is today. It was literally a necessity to, because we couldn't afford to buy advertising for the outdoorsman's, which is our retail operation. Yeah. You know, we looked around we said back then print was king. It was all there was, there was no Mm -hmm. social media. There was no internet and print was ridiculously expensive, you know, because of the supply and there was the demand was so high for print advertising. So we started Western hunter magazine, not a necessity to be able to advertise our products. Hmm. Um, and then from that, and then the wilderness, then wilderness athlete, which are nutritional products. Yeah. Uh, people are probably, your listeners are probably pretty familiar with Yeah, uh, that came along on a, just out of other relationships that Floyd green, who's my co-owner with the magazine, the TV show, uh, and he owns the outdoorsman's, uh, it kind of, it kind of fell into our lap more or less just through, you know, years and years of being in the industry and people knowing who we were. And so then Wilner's athlete came along. What, uh, that was like close to 10 years ago. Yeah, no, it was more than 10 years ago. I keep crazy. It seems like it's probably 12 years ago now. Yeah. Um, and then, so we had wilderness athlete, we had the outdoors and we had Western hunter magazine. And then, uh, Ryan Hatfield, who was my editor of the magazine at the time, he called me and says, Hey, I think we need to start a TV show. And, I told him, I thought that was the dumbest idea I'd ever heard. I mean, literally I was like, you had no interest whatsoever. You know, I was already, I was at the phase. A lot of people are, I was just burned out on looking at outdoor TV. It just wasn't interesting to me at all. And, uh, and, but then, then Nate, uh, he, after he left Eastman's and, and went out on his own, uh, Nate and I met at the ATA show a year or so after that. And he kind of pitched an idea to me and I was like, you know, that sounds, it's got merit. And the funny thing is, is his whole idea was let's just film hunts the way we do them. Yeah. <laughs> it's, he says, nobody's actually doing that. Nobody's filming hunts that basically everybody else is doing as well. I mean, 
when people, if you see us in the field hunting, you wouldn't, if you didn't recognize us, you wouldn't think we're anybody different than anybody else out there hunting. We're, right. we're on public land, doing it ourselves, setting up our own tents, cooking our own food, packing our own trucks, packing out our own meat. Yeah. Uh, he said, nobody was really doing that. And I was like, well, let's give it a shot. And then, so we built the trailer and our, our the uh, premiere episode. And I was like, dang, this could work. This, this could be interesting. So we gave it a one year experiment. And honestly, after the first episode, I was like, wow, people really it just resonated with people. You know, yeah. we're, we're just basically regular guys uh, mm-hmm. for the most part, just doing it the way they do it. Right. And that was 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a good show. Like, um, and going back to the wilderness athlete thing, like I love, well, I oh. used uh, altitude advantage this year, which I think helped oh. me out in New Mexico. And, um, I still love the Arizona peach hydrate and recover. So yeah, <laughs> shout out to those, but, um, um, yeah, man, that's so cool. I mean, um, do you think there's anything you would have like, you know, when you started this journey, uh, of the TV shows, anything you would have done different or things you'd wish you'd done differently or anything like that or mistakes you made? Yeah, for sure. With the TV show, not necessarily because honestly, we got started, in in the post what i'd say the post glory days the the glory days of outdoor tv were like five to seven years before we started Mm -hmm. when it was relatively new and there was you know maybe 20 to 30 shows out there and really like signing up sponsors back then was pretty dang easy Mm -hmm. um this of course is really before social media too but what's happened since we launched um is social media is taken, you know, is, is, is huge now. Email marketing is huge. So all the companies out there now, uh, including Wilderness Athlete and the Outdoorsman's, um, we have demands on our marketing budgets from four and five different directions. Mm-hmm. Whereas 15 years ago, there was two, there was print, there was TV. That was it. Those mm-hmm. are, if you weren't, those are, as a marketer and marketing director, those are the two choices you made. Do, do I go to print? Do I go to TV? If I go both, what's the percentage I'm going to allocate to either one? Yeah. Um, and it was, you can only do so much. Um, whereas now with social media and, and all of the other marketing channels out there, there's just a lot more demand on marketing budgets, which draws down the budget that's available to, to us, mm-hmm. to anybody else new getting into the, to the business, um, which is making it really tough for people to get in. Cause it's, it's super, it's really, really tough to make a living doing it. Yeah. yeah. It's not, you're going to the old business model of lose money for five years before you start making money. That's actually true nowadays with TV. <laughs> if you really, I mean, you're really going to be, you're going to be tapping into your own credit cards and, you know, and doing, you know, com- money's coming out of your own pocket in order mm-hmm. to, to get it started. Um, and uh, whereas, like I said, 15 years ago, <clears throat> it was it was quite a bit easier to, to sign up sponsors and get going right away. Yeah. So that and the only other mistake I really feel like I've made like from a business perspective and I was just looking at is I started an application service um, mm. about 15 years ago or so. And after four or five years, um, I got I, I was so stressful. I mean, that is- I you can imagine, you know, how all of you guys are just, you stress out about your own applications. Yeah. Then you're going to do it for somebody else. And first of all, you got to read their mind to some degree about what they really want to do. And there's lots of conversations. And then the fear of making a mistake just mm-hmm. terrified me. And I never, instead of finding people that could help me develop systems so that we could alleviate that stress, because it would have been a really good business. You know, yeah. it was a, that back then, there was only two or three people in the business. Now there's bazillions. Yeah. Um, I wish I, I, in hindsight, I think I wish I would have stuck with that a little bit harder and yeah. dedicated myself to it. Just got over the fear, you know, mm-hmm. fear, fear is a terrible motivator. And, uh, it, I just, I never did get over it and I didn't yeah. do take the steps I probably should have to, to alleviate that or find the people who could handle it. Yeah. That would be a tough business, man. Like I said, it's like, just enough doing it yourself trying to get all this stuff and stay on top of deadlines and all the different yeah. rules and stuff and um so but that's interesting you know you're talking about the um the change of the industry and now it's like um you know 
so I think the Western Hunter is maybe, in my opinion, the best like traditional TV show hunting show there is. Like I love I love y'all's show. Um, but like, there's this like move of, I mean, a lot of people are consuming their outdoor content, like on YouTube now Mm -hmm. and all these different services. And like, even with your show, like I watched it on Amazon prime. Mm -hmm. Um, so people are going that way. Stuff's going digital. What do you think about that whole shift, uh, from traditional TV model, um, into, into digital and, you know, is, are you guys planning on wading into that at all or what's what's y'all's kind of take on that really at this point we've kind of jumped in uh early on here with motv so it's is my outdoor tv is owned by the network uh by the sportsman channel outdoor channel and i think that's who i watch it on through prime i think exactly Yeah. yeah if you hit that uh microphone button on your your amazon prime thing and say western hunter yeah it's manned up at motv you know it could go through prime could go through uh, fire uh all in different places but you'll end up on motv yeah and uh so it's been and it's in this last two years it's really taken off i mean mm-hmm. we're we we're getting about 25 to 30 percent of our linear TV views, which is linear TV is just what you watch when you sit down and plop on the TV. That's, they call that linear TV. It took me like three years to figure that out, but, uh, but that's what that means. So we're getting about 25 to 30% of that, which is really good. Yeah. Um, you know, it'll, we'll be over a million views probably next year on that. Wow. Um, which honestly, I, I, that's where I, I'd love to see more, uh, at least quality um, outdoor TV go that direction because it's a pay to view kind of concept. So you don't, the, the only thing I don't like about YouTube is it's free yeah. <laughs> and it's free for anti hunters too. Yeah, It's free to the non hunting public. And there's a lot of, and you, we all know there's a lot of garbage out there and mm-hmm. it's unfortunately it, we're delivering a little too much ammo to the enemy. Um, with with a, a lot of the stuff that's on youtube um mm-hmm. and you know and, and youtube certainly they've already started rules about monetizing um hunting shows on youtube it won't be long because now we'll get into this whole censorship conversation but uh, yeah. it's you know like right now the outdoorsman's in western hunter we we're doing a, a rifle uh, browning rifle giveaway we're gonna do an x-bolt 6.8 with a swarovski scope a case of ammo uh tally rings and bases and we can't even advertise that on social media because there's a rifle involved right we, i mean it just they get us they shut us down we had our western hunter magazine account got closed this past year like shut down yeah, like they what, what happened it. did they did any did you ever find out why or how or Never. anything they just never gave us a single explanation. And do I've noticed like when I make a post, you know, like when I don't know how active you are on Instagram, but like, you know, when you start typing in a hashtag, it kind of like fills it in. Right. If you put hashtag Western hunting, it will not complete. You like you type it all out. You have to type the whole thing out. So it's like, they've like, they've like figured out. Yeah. Western hunting as like a keyword that they want to get rid of. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's, they call that shadow banning. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy, but they, they're making it as difficult as possible. And, you know, uh, YouTube will do the same thing in my opinion, eventually. Yeah. If you have a gun on YouTube, they're going to, you know, either put sensitive content over it, which, you know, not a big deal. Everybody will work to circumnavigate that. But eventually I think they're going to kick us off. Yeah. And, you know, all that hunting content is going to just disappear unless somebody comes up with a, alternative to youtube which is you know trying to compete with youtube is that's like saying you're going to start the next walmart you know it's just i will say actually i just i just got off the phone yesterday with the folks at carbon tv um Mm -hmm. so they're actually gonna work with me to put my first kodiak film on carbon there you go and they're and they're awesome i mean um i've talked to other outdoor you know and, and there's like a time buy and you have to pay um, carbon puts your stuff on there for free. They promote it for free. They're just interested in good content. Right. Um, and then they're, you know, have an advertising model. So it, you know, maybe that's a, an answer to that. Cause I agree with you that you, t- it's just a matter of time before they shut it down. You know, yeah. and that's scary for guys like me who are just starting out and trying to hopefully one day make a living, you know, doing this. It's like, yeah, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, Carbon's a great is a great alternative, and I do think they are the most likely to win the the uh, when it comes to free content. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they've got the platform. If they can, if I, I've not messed with Carbon a lot, because you know how awesome YouTube is as far as being able to search stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think if Carbon can continue to expand their platform, uh, that they will be the hunting YouTube of the future for yeah. sure. Which would be great. Again, I would love to see more hunting content come off of the public domain and have it be where people that really want to see hunting, they can right. go find it without a problem. The people that don't have any interest in seeing it, it's not going to get thrown into their face. Right. Yeah. Or some guys are doing like, you know, like Brian, Brian Call, like they're doing stuff behind a paywall, you know, like you join right. a community, a locals community. And that way, you know, it's it's like the cost of a cup of coffee per month or something. And you can interact with the people and you can, um, you know, get the content. And it just weeds out all the 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 crazies and the haters and all that stuff. Right. For sure. So um, there are options, but it's a uh, but we, we we're all everybody in this business needs to be thinking about what's the next thing, you know, yeah. what, what's the next step. You know, it's because there was honestly 10 years ago. I, you know, to think we were still be doing this in 10 years was not, that was crazy. And I yeah. still think it was, it was good that we thought that way, you know, yeah. that we didn't have this 10 year plan every year. We we're like, what do we got to do to be better next year? You know, yeah. Not, what's our 10 year goal, you know, for sure. Yeah. Sometimes long-term goals can get in the way. Yeah. Well, the way last, we last question on that stuff. And I want to kind of shift focus a little bit, but, um, just, you know, as a guy that I respect a lot in the industry and, and personally, like, um, what, if you had, like, do you have any advice for a young, you know, starting out guy like myself, uh, creating content, um, that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, uh, to some degree, it's, it's exactly what, in my opinion, it's what I did. I look at people that have been really successful, you know, Nate, you know, Nate's really a great example. You know, Nate was a, a journeyman electrician. And got basically went and he's told this story with Cam Haynes before about filming Cam Haynes's first hunt. And, you know, he decided he wanted to, to get into filming Um, really at that time, didn't know anything about filming a camera's production. And he just freaking dedicated every spare second to figuring it out. Um, I think the, uh, so it's just like, it's not, it's not different than most businesses, but it is to some degree because it is just about your work ethic. You know, if you really want to do this, you got to work hard at it. And sure. it's, it's, I know it sounds silly, but I get this kind of analogy. I get people contact me about writing for the magazine and they said, Hey, you know, I, I, I really enjoy writing and, I, and I'm a hunter. And I, so I really want to get into the outdoor business. And I'm like, all right, well, send me some stuff you've written. And we're like, well, what do you want me to write about? I know. I said, no, no, send me stuff you've already written. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, I don't have anything written. I'm like, well, think about that for a second. If you really enjoyed writing, wouldn't you just write? Right. I mean, I enjoy shooting my bow. I go shoot my bow, whether I'm going to go hunting or not. You know, right. I mean, I enjoy things that I enjoy doing. I do whether somebody's paying me to do it or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, like everybody listening to this, you, the, your passions, you, you, you're out there working at your passions because you love what you're doing, yeah. not because somebody's paying you to do it because you're probably not getting paid to do what you actually love to do. Right. So if you really love uh, writing, if you really love filming hunts, then freaking film hunts and produce hunts, you know, is, and dedicate yourself to getting better at it. Nate's and still to this day has never taken a class. Randy, who's our other uh, po- field producer and post producer, and he's freaking phenomenal. Nate will say yeah. he, I think Randy might be the best in the business. I he's, would. He's freaking amazing. Maybe. Yeah. And he's great. Yeah. And he went to school. He did go to a broadcasting school, but mm-hmm. also he learned how to stand there and, and film a news thing, you know, <laughs> yeah. with one of those big old cameras and edit. totally different. Yeah. Yeah, totally different. What he's doing now, what he learned in college has little, very little to do, to do with what he's doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then kind of a next level tip that is still, when we do our film festivals and, and I watch films that I still feel like guys are, are missing out on is storytelling. Mm. 
storytelling, when people say they love our show and they talk about it, they talk about the cinematography and they talk about the hard hunts and all that. But what makes them actually love all that is that Randy and Nate do such an awesome job of telling the whole story. Yeah. I mean, you feel like you're on the hunt with us. You know, you know, we suffered because you feel it, you know, yeah. because the storytelling is so good and storytelling isn't, is it's part art, but it's mostly skill. It's just a matter of constantly refining and refining. I mean, we'll spend, I know Nate, and Randy, it takes between the two of them. It's about two weeks of their time to take, to make a 21 minute episode. Yeah. Um, and when I say two weeks, I'm talking 60 hour weeks, not, you know, 25 right. hour, weeks. you know, right. big, big, long weeks, you know, refining every single element, like two and three second clips mm-hmm. are debated. You know, does that add to the story? Does it track from the story? Is there a clip that would be better right here? Um, so really focusing on storytelling um, and work your butt off because <laughs> awesome. it's all out there. Everything these guys have learned is on, it's on YouTube. Yeah. I've, all the there's tutorials out there. There's classes mm-hmm. you can take online uh, to learn it all, but it's just about dedication to your dedication to your craft. Totally, man. Yeah. That's so good. Um, so yeah, shift and focus a little bit. Um, and if you guys listening have not seen the Western Hunter, definitely go check it out. It's a beautiful show. Um, so I know that you are a healthy guy you had kind of a fitness journey like myself, like, uh, um, man, I was at, in 2018. Um, well, I had some addiction issues in my past before that, but then I, in 2018, I weighed like 250 pounds and I had like my, you know, appendix removed, my gallbladder removed, like my body was like basically starting to fall apart. Right. Um, and, uh, and, actually through a, a lot through Western hunting and having a, a goal in mind to shoot for a big Alaska hunt. I was going on, you know, I dropped about 75, 80 pounds and I'm in the best shape of my life now. Um, talk to me a little bit about your, your kind of fitness journey with what that's been like in your life. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up, you know, an athlete, you know, in high school, played football, played basketball, played baseball, did all that stuff, you know, went to college and, and, um, What's interesting to me too, is that my wife's a physician. So Mm -hmm. we got married before medical school. So we survived all of that, but (laughs) we've always been very conscious of what we ate and how we ate. But, you know, 30 years ago, modern science, current nutritional advice was carb heavy. Mm -hmm. You know, it was carbs were the base. Yeah. The food pyramid. The old food pyramid. Yeah. Yeah. Now we found yep. out that the food pyramid needs to be like this. It's <laughs> yeah. completely reversed. You know, you should yeah. be cutting as many low quality carbs as you possibly can and healthier fats are better. And, but uh, I ended up at about age, who would I've been like uh, 45, 46. I was 220 pounds hmm. at five foot seven and a half. You know, I, yeah. I said five foot eight, but I was, I'd already shrunk. <laughs> so I was in uh and, you know, miserable and, uh, you know, asthma problems. And, uh, and then that's when, when my wife discovered that all of a sudden the whole gluten thing came out mm-hmm. and everybody was talking about it. So actually we tried it, cut it out. Dang. I started dropping weight. Nice. Uh, and of course, the nice thing is that wilderness athlete came along too. And all of a sudden I did our, our knowledge and learning curve just ramped up as far as nutrition went. Yeah. And, uh, but to your point, the, 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 one of the, to your point about your Alaska trip, I, I felt like the thing that really transitioned things for me, two things, first was the TV show. Hmm. Um, I looked at myself in season one and said, dude, you're chubby. You're, <laughs> that's, that's not a good look. Yeah. That was, it was seriously motivating, uh, you know, it, and a little bit of ego, but you know, I just, I was like, and I was, I watched the episodes that Nate was on and I'm like, Holy crap, there's no way in heck I could do that. I can't yeah, do that. I was like, sure. no, I actually need to be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether it's backpack, you know, eight miles and 3000 vertical feet in a day or what. Um, but the second, the second big motivators for me was now uh, some friends of mine actually started doing the rim to rim to rim in the grand Canyon mm. where you, you start on the South rim at yeah. midnight, you hike to the North rim, you turn around and go back. 
That sounds yeah, crazy, man. 47 and a half miles and uh, 12,500 vertical feet up and down. So about 25,000 total vertical feet. And <laughs> wow. And I was, I saw the guys that did it. And these are guys I'd known for 10 or 15 years yeah. prior to that. And then I see all of a sudden I see them. We hadn't seen each other in a year or two. And I run into my buddy, Dave Martin. Um, and I'm like, dude, what happened to you? You know, he just looked trim. He looked healthy. He looked fast. He looked strong. And he told me about it. I was like, I want to do that. And it took me two to three years to do my first one. But uh, now I've done it eight times. I'll do it nine times at the end of April. This wow. coming. But it's. That's an accomplishment. Yeah. And it's your Alaska trip. They're having that. Why having something that you look at and go, there is no way I have to change almost everything I'm doing in order to be able to accomplish that. hundred um, percent. And the nice thing was that was it that happens in late April for us. So yeah. by then, okay, then I'm doing really good. Now I only got three months to hunting season, you know? So now it's yeah. just like focus on building some leg strength and, and a little bit more uh, endurance and, you know, nailing gear down. And, but having that, having a why in your life that really, uh, drives you, I think is just, it's critical for me. And everybody's a little bit different, but that's critical for me. Yeah. A hundred percent. Uh, I'm the same way. And yeah, you gotta have, so I was the same way too. Like I was embarrassed to take my shirt off in front of my own wife <laughs> and yeah. And, uh, and also, yeah, my, my buddy reached out, um, about going to Alaska after I picked up this shed behind me and he's Navy ex Navy special warfare, and he was kind of selling me on the trip, like, oh, you know, it won't be that bad. But then I looked at, like, what we're actually doing and, like, carrying, you know, like, a week's of food, a week with our food and all my stuff. And I was like, this is going to be tough. Like, and it was a goal that I really wanted to do, you know. And, and so I think having that goal. And sometimes I feel like fitness goals, people put in stuff that's, like, it's a goal, but it's almost like they're dreading it. You know what I mean? Right. So it's got to be like a goal that you actually are excited about. And then yeah. it feels good to like work towards that. Not like, uh, you know what I mean? So yeah, everybody's um, got them different. And, you know, if you consider yourself like a competitive person, finding uh, competitions that you can get involved in, like yeah. Spartan races. I mean, an awesome one was trained to hunt when mm. and first started that. I mean, it was, I loved doing that. The community there was phenomenal mm -hmm. and it definitely inspired you to get out there and, and work hard between events. And when I went on my doll sheep hunt in Alaska, it was kind of a last minute thing. I literally had like five weeks notice wow. uh, to go on an incredibly difficult backpack hunt. But Is that the one that you did the show about? Yeah, yeah exactly. Nice. Cool. But the cool thing was, is I was really determined that year to do well at, at, at the train to hunt nationals. Yeah. So I was training hard, you know, sandbags and really training hard for that. And then this hunt came up and that became my, my train to hunt nationals because it was right on top of nationals. But you know, those that just that spirit of competition there really yeah. inspired me to, to keep training hard. And still to this day, I mean, I, I do CrossFit as well. Oh, okay. um, and that's, I love that because again, I love that because I show up at the gym and there's a coach there and he's telling me what to do and it's going to yes. be hard. Yeah. <laughs> And there's other people there with me, to, you know, pushing me on. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's just finding, finding that thing that, that really drives you and inspires you. Yeah. Um, and I, I really do recommend CrossFit. It gets a bad name with some people, mm -hmm. uh, because I don't know, I, I think people that bitch about it are the most are the people that really just don't want to work that hard. Is <laughs> this <You know? laughs> hard? Yeah. yeah. But man, if it's, I mean, talk about, taking you to next level fitness, mm -hmm. it'll get it done. Yeah, for sure, man. So yeah, I, I have, you know, motivating me now this year and, and same with last year is like, you know, um, like last year I, I filmed for Dan Staten for like nine days in New Mexico. I was like, all right, I got to keep up with this dude. That's yeah. what's like motivating Good me. Now it's like, <laughs> I got to keep up with Lampers this year and Brian Call and all these guys. So, but I do CrossFit too, man. Um, that, that was a game changer for me as well. Like you said, Cause I kind of fell into that, like, um, that rut of like, you know, just like go to the gym and just kind of like do some bicep curls and some bench, yeah. and, like maybe jog a mile and go home. But yeah, when you, when you have someone like programming you, 
Um, and, and you can't just like wimp out cause like you're in a room with other people and everyone's doing it together. That was, that was a huge game changer for me. And then I feel like combining that like super high intensity kind of almost sprint combined with strength training. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then peppering in like training hikes, um, which for me, I got to go like intentionally find elevation cause I live on a pancake. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and then like long and then mixing in long runs on the weekend to kind of build up that longer endurance as well as the kind of quick, uh, stuff, um, has served me really well in the mountains. So sure. did you do the open this year? Yep. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. That 22.3 was a killer, wasn't it? It was. And, uh, it was, <laughs> I, I actually, it's the one I did the best on. I kind of fell apart on the first one. Those wall walks crushed me <laughs> this oh, yeah. year. So I, I did that one. I did that one in Utah. Like I said, I live at sea level. Oh. So I did that one at like 6,000 feet. And like, I, like after the third round, I was like this, I can tell that I'm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We go to Utah. You know, I go to Utah a couple of times a year. We print our magazine up there and I'll do, oh, okay. a, drop, I'll do a drop in up there at those gyms. And, and it, I don't know why it takes me halfway through the workout to realize why I feel like I'm about to die. Yeah. <laughs> it's real. Elevation. Yeah. I live at about 1300 feet. I have hills here, so you know that's a good nart, but it's still low elevation. Yeah. I, so I to to train like on like hills, literally what I have to do is there's a a city park about 30 minutes from my house that's a reclaimed garbage dump that's like 70 oh. feet high. That's the there only I have to just go and just go up and down like 10 times of the pack. <laughs> yeah. Because I yeah, live you like do what you got to do. Yeah, I live like four hours from any mountains or three hours. So. Yeah. Um, but anyway, man, um, so last thing I kind of wanted to ask you about, um, you know, just something that I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily think about too much. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about the mind body connection, um, mm-hmm. and you're, you're a healthy guy, um, and fitness is important to you. Um, but I feel like though that's kind of grown, still I feel like people in our society anyway like tend to want to compartmentalize like mind body and spirit mm-hmm. as like three separate things whereas I look at it as we're really triune beings we are mind body and spirit and they're very much more intertwined than we may think um so I'm, I'm curious to think to, to ask you like um about how you feel about the connection, not between mind and body, but body and spirit. Like how does your physical fitness and nutrition actually play a role in your um, spiritual health or, or that kind of thing? Oh, absolutely. I, I'm, because I've mentioned my wife's a physician. She's actually, she's a psychiatrist. Oh, okay. <laughs> she's, a, she's a psychiatrist. And so we have these conversations. This is like, this is what we do. This is the stuff we talk about oh, you cool. know, is, is, is mind, body, spirit connections. And, and it is, it is huge. Um, it's, and they feed each other constantly. It's it, to your point. Uh, I notice, like on hunts, if I'm not, uh, and this last year was probably the biggest challenge uh, because mm. it got, it was tough. It was easy to get discouraged and to not be grateful for what, you know, I'm allowed to do, you know, mm. I'm, I'm here. Yeah. We, you know, we just backpacked in, you know, and it's cold, it's miserable, but here I am, you know, I'm seven miles from a trailhead and got a, we got a warm fire and we got a place to sleep and yeah, I'm not seeing as many deer as I like, but, but keeping showing that, that the process of gratitude oh yeah, gratitude you know, and how important that is to my ability to get up the next day and work hard. Mm. It's, the, I, I, you know, and that's the other thing that's nice about going to the gym every single morning is you get to analyze, why didn't I do well today? Why didn't I feel good? And then you start to realize, yeah, surely nutrition and rest, all that stuff and sleep is a big deal, but it's about my attitude. It's like, it's that mind, body, spirit connection again. It's like, I didn't take the time to, to train, get them all in sync, you know, mm-hmm. before I showed up to the gym, you know, yeah. sometimes it's cause I, you know, I'm bad about opening up my iPad when I'm drinking my coffee and check the world news, you know, well, there's no, nothing, there's a recipe nothing for there. negativity there. <laughs> it is. It's really hard. Yeah. And I intentionally uh, do not ingest any news like whatsoever. Zero. Yeah. 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 I'm kind of, I wouldn't say I'm a news junkie, but I'm always like looking at, and, and honestly, it's, it, social media is the worst thing too, because it's, 
It's yeah. just a time suck. Yeah, and totally. Really, that's a, that would get us off on a whole nother subject about uh, what social media is doing to not just to hunting, but to our society and our, and your personal growth as a human being. It's, yeah, it, it's not, there's good. no, it's not additive. That's for sure. It's, it's a subtracting component to life. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a powerful thing. And again, it's that gratitude is, is, and just recognizing <laughs> the creation around you. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's another thing that people love about our show is we always show, we always have, you know, some bird doing something yeah, or like a, a bee or, or a hummingbird or something. And, and we do that because we actually see it, you know, we appreciate yeah. it. We're looking at it going, how cool is that? Mm. You know, that Randy and I were in Mexico and uh, we found this line of ants, these big red ants. And we were, I mean, we're supposed to be Koozie trying to make a TV show. Instead, we're tracking <laughs> these ants, trying to figure out what the heck are they doing? This is fascinating, you know, yeah. just appreciating the creation around you. Right. But that like sense of wonder and appreciation is what ultimately leads to quality content. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you can't lose sure. that. Yeah, absolutely. So do you, do you do anything, uh, intentionally, you know, everyone talks a lot about nutrition and stuff like that. Um, you know, like, and it's crazy. We're talking about the connection. I mean, like even something like, like the amount and the health of the microorganisms in your gut actually play a part in like your mental health. But, yep. um, do you do anything, um, to, um, give yourself like spiritual nutrition or any practices that you do to, uh, to feed your spirit? Certainly. Uh, I do, I do a lot of reading. Um, and I don't read, I mean, I look at hunting magazines, but I don't actually read them. <laughs> I just look at them. And, uh, that's why we call it horn porn, but, <laughs> um, but I read a lot of, uh, you know, uh, Jordan Peterson, like right now I'm reading to kill a mockingbird reading, uh, material that, that actually does inspire and make your brain, you know, think about things on a different level, you know? Yeah. And, and so that's, and then meditation is still, mm -hmm. I do seriously try to, uh, just relax my brain and, you know, different, everybody's meditation is so different for everybody, but just accepting the fact that there's things you need to do to calm your, your spirit down a bit. Uh, like I, now when I'm hiking, I used to listen to podcasts when I was hiking and all that kind of, and, and actually now I've gotten almost away from that completely. So yeah. like when I'm trail hiking, getting ready for the Canyon, I do it with no headphones on and just be able to just absorb things around me, let my brain relax and right. go where it wants to go. You know, and I know that sounds, might sound really, uh, kind of, uh, mystical to people, but it is, it yeah, is. I mean, we're so bombarded by content. Sometimes you just need to like not listen or watch something. <laughs> right. Your content, the stuff that you're creating in your head is what's actually the most important. Yeah. Ingesting everybody else's content, in my opinion, can stifle your own personal growth at times unless, no, for sure. you know, unless you fine tune that, so that if, there's some amazing content out there on podcasts. So I'm not getting dogging on podcasts sure, at yeah. all, but, uh, but just, it does stifle your own creativity at times if you're not careful. So, yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so yeah, this has been a really cool conversation. Um, uh, I know you're a busy guy, you got stuff to do, so I don't want to hold you for too much longer, man, but, um, I appreciate your time and, um, just where can people find uh, the show and that kind of stuff if they want to, if they want to hear, or, I mean, see the show. Yeah. So we, we have, we have through the magazine, we have uh, what we call a super subscription, which is for 39 95, you get uh, the full year of the magazine, six issues of the magazine and full access to all nine seasons of the TV show. That's a good and deal. You can, you can literally watch it right through, through our website. Oh, nice. uh, I wish I had known well, about that. I might've done that. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a great way to to you know to get all of our content in one place. Yeah, um, we're on MOTV as I mentioned, and MOTV is available as an app through your computer, through your phone. Uh, you can it's on Amazon Prime, it's on uh, or on uh, Fire, um, and uh, Roku, all the different platforms you, you can find uh, MOTV. It's My Outdoor TV. Yeah, uh, sometimes it's just MOTV, but My Outdoor TV. Uh, and then we're on the Sportsman Channel. But again, we're on our linear stuff. We're on 
Q3 and Q4. So starting early July through the end of December. And we're on Monday nights is our premiere airing on the Sportsman channel. Cool. But uh, we air like four times a week. Each mm -hmm. episode airs about four times a week. So you can find us there as well. But it's uh, the website is westernhunter.net. Um, and you can get everything through that. We do have social media, Instagram. We have Western Hunter Magazine now, which used to be Western Hunter Mag until they shut it down. So we started a new one. Mm. Uh, and then we have The Western Hunter on Instagram and the same with uh, with Facebook. Cool. Well, yeah, guys, again, if you have not, you definitely need to go check out The Western Hunter. Um, great magazine. But um, if you like outdoor video, film content, it is absolutely one of the best out there. So definitely go check it out. And um, Chris, thanks again, man. I really appreciate your time today. It's been great yeah, talking. Thank you. It was fun. Yeah, thanks. All right.